Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Banker Next Door. I am your host, Dr. Joe Berquist. Uh, I wanted to get everyone basically just a general banking update here today with this episode. So I hope everyone is enjoying the, the holiday weekend. I hope everybody's taking in a whole lot of football and other sports and other hopefully uh, fun activities and stuff as you're going along. But so I've got a whole stack, whole stack here of uh, all kinds of information. And I figured, I figured the best way to do this was just basically rapid fire. So, so I'm just going to read through uh, all of this uh, information and then I'll kind of, I'll kind of round it out at the, at the end when we're done. So, all right. So here, so inflation drifts up as fears of second wave of higher prices mount. So people still worrying a little bit about inflation. Uh, Barr, who is, um, um, here. Who is Barr? Michael Barr. Michael Barr, who is the who is the uh, vice chair for supervision at uh, the Federal Reserve. Uh, so he so basically so Barr. So Michael Barr is signaling the end of what's called the BTFP. Uh, that's the bank term funding program. That was an emergency lending facility that was put out by the Fed in the spring of last year. Uh, there, so he's basically signaling that that's probably going to come to an end, even though there has been a ton of borrowing on that lately. Um, I don't have to kind of get into that because it's a whole different conversation. Uh, the SEC, they approved the Bitcoin uh, ET, basically the ETFs that started trading this week for anybody who hasn't seen that. Uh, JP Morgan Chase projected substantial net interest income declines off of a strong fourth quarter 2023. So uh, JP Morgan Chase, they forecast meaningful sequential quarterly declines in net interest income in 2024, uh, reflecting its asset sensitivity and market expectations for six interest rate cuts by the Federal Reserve this year. So they're looking for six interest rate cuts, which is, you know, interesting. Um, banks can't, banks can't count on loans for growth. Um, so even as the biggest banks have grown and diversified, lending remains a core part of their business. And it looks like that will get tougher this year. So basically, uh, banks can't look out for a whole lot of uh, lending growth coming here in 2024. More banks bite the bullet and reposition their bond portfolios. Uh, I'll be talking more about this in another episode. So a lot of banks. So again, something I've, I've talked about in a number of episodes now, banks have an issue that started last year with what was called unrealized losses on their, their bond portfolios, investment portfolios, which was caused by the increase in interest rates. Um, a lot of them now so are sitting on negative values, but they are unrealized because the bank actually has, they actually have to sell the securities in order to actually realize the loss. And a lot of times if they hold those securities to maturity, they will actually make money. They won't, they won't actually lose money, but they have to hold them to maturity. But it gets very technical right now. Uh, if, you know, in other words, if they had to sell them right now, this moment, they would absolutely lose money on a big chunk of them. So, but a lot of banks are basically biting the bullet and just saying, hey, we're just going to sell off some of the stuff we have. We're going to take the loss. We're going to basically bite the bullet. And uh, and then we're just and then we're going to reposition our bond portfolios in a, in a positive light. So um, bond rally looks set to reverse big uh, Q3 2023, uh, basically jump in banks, unrealized lawn, uh, unrealized losses. So huge. So this is going back to December 11th. So this is about a month ago now. So a huge rally in bond values looks to set uh, to deflate unrealized losses on bank balance sheets after another pounding in the third quarter. Uh, so basically, you know, banks, you know, the, the losses, you know, losses were deeper, but it also got better. 
because bonds really saw they the bond market really saw a rally there kind of in the third and fourth quarter, uh, which really helped to get into positive territory for the year. Layoffs, branch closures reveal uh, banking crisis may be far from over. So if you saw this week, uh, Citibank announced that they were laying off 20,000 people, which I thought was, um, that's not really the real number. The real, the real number is basically 60,000 people because they just laid off 40,000 people in the last, I think it was like three or four months. Um, so the, the reality is they've really laid, decided they went from 240,000 employees down to 200,000 employees as of 1231. And now they're, they're going to lay off another 20,000. So, um, so I think that the the headline was a little disingenuous with the oh well we're we're laying off twenty thousand no you you've actually laid off forty thousand already and you're laying off another twenty thousand so you're laying off sixty thousand employees I mean that's a massive massive reduction and and that's only and the Citibank is just one example I don't mean to pick on Citibank it's just that uh, they were they were just a bank that happened to be in the news this week but um, many banks uh, many of the big banks. Uh, across the, you know, your top 20 banks across the U.S. have been laying off a lot of uh, personnel in the last six months. Here's another article, you know, uh, U.S. banks trimming headcount as they embark on expense saving plans. So after climbing steadily since the third quarter of 2021, U.S. banks count of uh, full-time employees reached a three-year peak in the first quarter. Salary and benefit expenses also surged that quarter. Seeking to reverse that trend, several U.S. banks have turned to layoffs this year, uh, leading to a 1.5% decline in full-time employees and a 2.9% decline in salary and benefits expense for the industry between March 31st and September 30th of 2023. Uh, recent commentary from banks at an industry conference suggests that the decline is likely to continue into the fourth quarter. It did. And I would say continue into the first uh, six months of this year. Okay, uh, credit turnaround expected in 2024, even as card delinquencies jump in the third quarter. So peak credit card losses might be coming into view after a jump in delinquencies in the third quarter. Uh, I personally wouldn't bet on that. Uh, card delinquencies across U.S. banks spiked 41 basis points quarter over quarter to 3.09%. Um, so... Yeah, I did. I did an episode uh, a couple months ago on uh, bank debt. Or I'm not sorry, bank debt, uh, credit card debt, and auto loan debt. Uh, so I, I suggest people check that out. It's something to to keep an eye on. But uh, no, I don't see credit card uh, delinquency coming down anytime soon. I, I see it continuing to accelerate. Um, U.S. banks total assets shrink again in quarter three as industry remains wary of growth. So U.S. banks total assets shrank for the second straight quarter as long large banks work to comply with the proposed heightened capital requirements. The industry reported total assets of $23 trillion, uh, reaching its lowest point since the third quarter of 2021. Um Banks saw a 0.2% sequential decline in total assets in the third quarter, with much of that shrinkage coming from the largest banks. Many banks are opting to shrink their balance sheets as growth is currently not a priority for a variety of reasons, including the high cost of funding, the potential downturn of credit quality metrics, and looming changes to the way risk-weighted risk weighted, risk assets are computed. Um, as some banks hunker down and shrink their balance sheet, others see an opportunity to grow. Here's an entry. Here's a great. Here's an interesting article. So why prices are probably never 
going back down. So inflation has fallen to a 3.1% annual rate from its peak of 9.1%, but that means price increases are just slowing down, not that they're reversing. This is something I keep repeating again and again, but that means price increases are just slowing down, not that they're reversing. Uh, the policy of the Federal Reserve is to keep inflation at 2%, not to actually let average prices fall for a long time. And although average prices have risen 19% since February of 2020, some items have gone up much faster while others have fallen. And if you if you saw the episode that I did on inflation and then uh, one of the other episodes I just talked about um, where I basically said that, you know, th this is one of the dangers. Uh, I just did an episode on the, on the Fed and what the Fed is, is doing that you might want to take a look at. But this is one of the dangers that we're looking at here is that is if the Fed decides to reduce rates without getting inflation back down to 2%, we risk without having a recession, we risk having those prices permanently embedded in the economy, we have we risk permanently locking in that inflation. And that's exactly what this article is talking about, about why um, they think the prices are probably never going to come back down. So another article here that just says banks are not OK, you know, just despite, you know, things going on, banks are still having ongoing issues. Uh, FDIC beefing up staff in anticipation of more problem banks. So the FDIC Corp is beefing up its examination staff following lessons learned from the bank failures in 2023 and an outlook of more problem banks in 2024. CD concentrations at U.S. banks rise above pre-pandemic levels. The U.S. banking industry's exposure to certificates of deposits rose to pre-pandemic levels, even as the growth of the product slows. In aggregate, CD balances at U.S. banks jumped to $2.6 trillion as of September 20, 2023, up 10% from the previous quarter. The balances were 24% and 14% during the first and second quarter of the year, respectively. So banks, uh, CDs, uh, really jumping. Credit unions face stiffer competition for bank deals in 2024. We actually just saw our two announced. Uh, I actually did an episode. I think it was one of my first episodes. It was probably about four months ago where I did uh, credit, basically an episode on credit unions buying banks. Uh, you might want to check that out. There were just two deals announced this week of credit unions purchasing banks. And one of them was like the largest credit union buying a deal bank, I think, I think ever based on either asset size or value of the deal, whichever it was. But, uh, but this is a trend that is, is still continuing. I, 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 again, I think that it's a, it's an issue. I do not think credit unions should not be buying banks. And I think we should be asking some questions about how we look at credit unions. In other words, if a credit union is growing to two, three, four, five billion dollars in assets, and then it just start and then it starts running around buying community banks. Um, is that really a credit union anymore? I think that's a, I think that's a fair question. I think that's something that that you know needs to be needs to be looked at. So, what else we got here? Uh, major U.S. card issuers see November delinquency uh, approximately early pandemic levels. Uh, like I said, we talked about you know credit cards going up. High funding costs will linger in 2024 as U.S. banks jockey for deposits. So U.S. bank core deposit pressures subsided, subsided in the third quarter of 2023, but the industry is unlikely to see much more relief in 2024, despite the Federal Reserve's planned rate hikes. Um, so in other words, what did we just say? We saw we, we had the other article here that said CDs had really climbed. Um, interest rates being up, that means that banks have to pay out more money in interest on their products like checking accounts, savings accounts, CDs, money markets, all those type of things. 
Um, and even if basically, even if the rates drop, you're, you're still, they're, they're not going to drop fast enough that it's going to dramatically decrease what banks are, are issuing in terms of what they call, again, the funding side of banking, where the, the interest that banks are paying out to their customers, it's not going to dramatically drop that in inside, say, 12 months. Uh, it may start to drop it a little bit more toward the end of the year. But I think a funny thing is going to happen. And I can't wait to kind of dive into this in another episode. But I think a funny thing is going to happen where, um, you know, this is the first time in a, in, in a long time, in 15 years, that people have actually gotten a taste of, you know, getting a decent return on their money for not really having to take any risk. In other words, you take $10,000, you put it in a bank CD, you get 5% on it, and, and that's not a bad return for basically taking zero risk. Um, I don't think that people are just going to let that go super easy. So I, it's, again, something to take an eye on. We'll have to see how that that kind of uh, plays out. So uh, market uh, markets price in rate cuts for major central banks in 2024. So again, the market, I, I think the, the market has kind of gone overboard here. I mean, they're just think that uh, the Fed and every other central bank around the world is just going to start crazing, uh, cra you know, start in just uh, cutting rates like crazy. Uh, all, you know, and that's just going to, that's just going to blow through the entire year. Uh, I don't know that I necessarily see that happening, but again, we'll see, we'll see what we see how it plays out. So uh, CFPB, they just put out a report where they identify challenges faced by borrowers in resumption of student loan payments. So ba basically, what are some of the issues here that they have seen come out? Well, we've got long hold times and abandoned calls as people try to call in to get information. We've had uh, significant delays in processing income-driven repayment plan applications. We've had inaccurate and untimely billing statements. Um, so yeah, basically the, the rolling out of the repayment of a lot of these student loans has, has not been fun. Uh, it's it's, it's met, met with a lot of problems, a lot of confusion. Um, you know, people are, are, you know, just continue to have having issues with it. So, I mean, again, I mean, they, and these are a lot of people that are just, you know, they just want to uh, make their payments and yet they're just, you know, running in with a whole bunch of problems with the servicers and uh, the companies that just deal with all the student loans that are, that are out there. Um, what am I trying to think? I was trying to hit on for a second here. So uh, one of the things I heard was that the student loan payments did 40% of the payments were delinquent, kicking off with that, that first payment they had to make back in October. Um, I need to delve into that a little bit more. I need to see if, if there's any real numbers out there right, right now on student loan delinquency. But it is, uh, it is something I'm trying to keep a close eye on and see kind of how that plays out. So let's see here. So what else we got here? So um, FDIC is procured and agency should review policies on major asset managers. So the FDIC director, Jonathan McKernan said regulators should investigate the impact of the big three asset managers, Vanguard, BlackRock and State Street on the banking industry. Uh, yes, 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 yes. And yes, and yes, and yes. Again, um, I have felt I have come of the opinion in the last couple of years that Vanguard, BlackRock and State Street have become way too big. And need to be broken up. Um, they these companies yield an immense amount of power, and they have an immense amount of influence over many industries, not just banking, but a lot of just. I mean, maybe even every industry that's that's out there in the in the public markets. Um, they can dictate just so much stuff about how a what a company is going to do, how a company is going to operate, uh, just because of the power that they have by the amount of shares and percentages that they, a percentage of shares that they own of 
various companies. And I think that while, again, it's like a double-edged sword, like some of that might be okay. Some of that might be good. Some, but some of it uh, I think is not so good. And I think that at the very least, there needs to be that conversation now about, you know, have these companies grown too big? Do they wield too much power? Who exactly do they, do they answer to? If you don't want to do things that these companies want you to do, uh, you know, how, how, what, in other words, what makes them the judge, jury and executioner of what should happen in the market with publicly traded companies and how they run their businesses? Like what gives them the right necessarily to just dictate openly to companies, like what they are, or aren't going to do. Um, and I think the, and I, and again, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, um, saying like, oh, we should do this. We should do that, whatever. I'm just saying that that is a, a very legitimate conversation that needs to be had. Uh, and we need to start taking a, and that needs to be, you know, looked at more in depth. Um, okay. Um, if everybody saw the episode that I did on open banking, I really hope you did. Cause that's a, that I'm sorry, not open banking, uh, beneficial ownership information, uh, that we'll get to open banking hopefully in a second here, but, uh, so beneficial ownership information, BOI, uh, I hope everybody looked at that because that was a very important episode. But the so the U.S. Treasury's uh, FinCEN Enforcement Network has received over 100,000 filings disclosing true owners of U.S.-based companies, which will be stored in congressional mandated business ownership registry, according to prepared marks by Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, published January 8th. So they basically got, um, you know, 100,000 companies to sign up so far for this. Uh, keep in mind, there are millions of you know, small businesses around the country. So a hundred thousand is, 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 is not really, that's not really a lot, but, uh, but it just goes to show you that, yeah, I mean, some people are becoming aware of this. They are going, they are, uh, you know, uh, filling out this information or whatever. Um, I'm against this. I just, I, it, it, you know, I'm sorry. I just, I, I don't like BOI. I don't like this whole program. Um, I don't think that this is, uh, again, I, again, you have to watch my episode to see all the, the issues around it, but, uh, but again, just something to keep, uh, keep an eye on. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Um, we love, yeah. First, uh, us spot Bitcoin exchange traded funds got launched. Uh, da, 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 da. inflation accelerated in December, dimming hopes for imminent fed rate cuts. So inflation accelerated to 3.4%, uh, yearly increase in December up from 3.1% November. It was the first time inflation had accelerated in three months. The uptick was more than forecasters expected, calling into question market expectations that the Federal Reserve could start rolling back its anti-inflation rate hike soon. So again, like I said, inflation does not go up or down in a straight line. It goes and fits and starts. It spikes. It comes down. It spikes again. Um, and then we have here, uh, investors look past dismal projections for fourth quarter earnings. SoFi wants to be a banking powerhouse. I really like SoFi. I like their business model. We'll talk more about that. Um, again, Fed eyes ending emergency liquidity facility despite recent uptick in usage. Uh, banks battle earning pressures as liquidity remains king. Uh, lending sluggish. Deposits hold steady as U.S. banks start reporting earnings. Uh, here we go. Now, open banking. Unclear liability and open banking proposal may disadvantage smaller institutions. Uh, yes. Smaller banks versus larger fintechs. While larger banks are leading the development of API connectivity in their digital banking suites, smaller institutions commonly rely on third-party vendors, but they do not necessarily have the same bargaining power with the larger data aggregators. 
industry ex executives wrote in uh, in comment letters. Uh, let's see here. Loan and deposit beta stabilize as right cycle right cycle turns over. So got so there we have it. So a whole whole <laughs> a whole crazy ton of uh, banking news in there. So what does all that mean in a nutshell, though? Well, basically it means that the the bank banking still has some headwinds right now. Uh, you're not seeing a lot of loan growth right now. Banks may not necessarily be able to depend on loan growth. Again, a lot's going to depend on what happens with the Federal Reserve and whether or not they increase interest rates, how aggressively they, they I'm sorry, how they decrease interest rates and how aggressively they decrease interest rates. But um, banks seem to be batting down the hatches. Um, they're laying off a lot of people. Uh, they're looking to, you know, get some of that salary expense off. Their uh, banks are also, uh, you know, closing some branches. Um so they're looking to, to to kind of shore up the balance sheet. They're looking to shore up some, say, you know, some of the efficiencies or whatever within the within the business. And uh, because they know that they're looking at it and going, you know what, we're, we got higher funding costs. We're going to have to pay out more money on deposits. We're not it's not going to be a great year for loans. Uh, we're not going to see a tremendous amount of, of growth in that sector. And we might even have some deteriorating credit as as, you know, credit card delinquency goes up, student loan delinquency goes up, delinquency in commercial office space goes up. Um, so again, a lot of things happening. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with, uh, like bank M and A and stuff like that, but uh, a lot of stuff on the horizon, a lot of stuff going on, and I will continue to keep an eye on all this and keep everybody updated as they come up. Um, I hope everybody checks out this, this weekend. I, I posted up a lot of episodes. I had an interview with Bob Newman from, uh, Chatham financial. I had a commercial real estate update. Uh, is the fed, I had another episode is the fed going to cut rates, uh, banks dumping loans, uh, an M&A update, and then this just general banking update. Um, so uh, again, a lot of stuff, a lot of information out there, a lot of things for people to take a look at. I hope people and uh, you know take some time this holiday weekend to enjoy a lot of this stuff. And then I will be back to uh, talk with everybody again real soon. And uh, But again, make sure to please like, subscribe, leave a comment below. I uh, love getting people's comments from there. Make sure to check us out on YouTube and Rumble and all major podcast platforms. And, uh, and like I said, have a great, wonderful holiday weekend. And I'll be back to everybody with some, some great new stuff next week. Thanks.